welcome those online. I want to welcome those that are here for the very first time. Uh, if you're here for the first time, I am not Frankie Mazapika, who's the senior pastor here. He is a lot taller than I am, but I have more hair than he does. Amen. He told me last week on the phone, he said, I would scratch 10 years off the end of my life if I could have your hair. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, it's just, it's just, we all have different gifts. Yours is height, mine's hair. So praise God. <laughs> it's good to be back in the house. It feels like a family here. So I just want you to, uh, to know that I, I feel so welcomed. It feels like home. And uh, so I'm going to jump right in. No need for introductions. I'm Matt. I have a wife named Stevie. We have five kids. We live in Alabama and we like Texas too. All right. All right, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 21. Hopefully you have your Bible, your Bible app. If you're new to church or new to uh, the faith, or maybe you're a seeker who's considering becoming part of the faith or the faith family, we're going to read from what is considered to be one of the Gospels this morning. The Gospels are the, uh, the story of the life and the ministry of Jesus. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we have tons of stories, not only of things that Jesus did, but things that Jesus said. And this morning, we're going to read some of those things that Jesus said. Maybe you're new to faith and you open your Bible and you see that the print is not in black, but it's in red. Whenever it's in red, it's things that God said. Particularly in this passage, it's going to be Jesus who is speaking. Um, one of the things that I think God is awakening his bride to, his church to, is the fact that we're not as strong as we thought we were. It's a call that the Lord has put upon my heart, put upon your pastor's heart in this season. It's, it's, it's not a call to grow in size and number. It's a call to grow in depth and in strength. In Acts chapter 16, uh, it gives us insight as to what was happening in the church. And it says, very, very simply, it says that the church was strengthened in faith and they grew daily in number. I think for a long time, the church has focused on growing daily in number without being strengthened in the faith. And without being strengthened in the faith, you may grow in number, but you don't grow in depth. And all it takes is a little pandemic or a little scare to show us what we're truly made of. And what 2020 exposed and 2021 exposed is that we weren't as strong as we thought we were. And so there's been a regrouping. There's grace. There's grace that God has issued in, within his church. And, and it's, 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 a, it's a call to strengthen, to get stronger. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, especially since I'm a guest in the house. But according to scripture, it's not going to get easier. As the days progress and we get closer to the second coming of our king, it's not going to get easier. It's actually going to get more difficult. In Luke chapter 21 and Matthew chapter 24, the disciples asked a question. And it was a simple question. How will we know the signs of the times? How will we know when the end is near? And Jesus paints a picture and it's not a pleasant picture. He didn't say, oh, well, the stock market will increase and house values will increase and people will be more prosperous than they ever have and it will be the easiest time to live on planet Earth. He paints a picture of things like pandemics and famines and earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars, but he also paints a picture of the human condition. 
And he says the human condition is going to be very sick. It's going to be very self-centered. People are going to fall in love with themselves. They're going to fall in love with money. They're going to fall in love with careers. They're going to fall in love with hobbies. They're going to love baseball more than they love church. They're going to love things more than they love the thing, the creator who created the things. He said there's going to be this sickness that falls upon humanity, and the body of Christ is not going to be absent of it. And he says because of this, there's going to be a weakness As the days progress, things are going to get more difficult. Things are going to get more. He said it's going to be like when you see all of these things, when you see the famines, when you see the earthquakes, when you see the war and the rumor of wars, he says this is not the end. It's actually the beginning of birth pains. The beginning. I've got five kids. I've been there. When all of them were born, I've seen the initial contraction and I've seen the last one. And I'm here to tell you that the last one is a doozy. The first contractions, raise your hand if you've had a child. Should be all women. Okay. The initial contraction, ladies, I don't know from experience, but I have seen it. The initial contraction sometimes feels like indigestion or a little bit like, I wonder if that was a contraction. That last one, there's no question. All of the things that we're currently experiencing, initial contractions. Can you imagine what the last ones are going to be like? And if we struggled with the initial contractions... How much more so will we struggle with the last ones? I think it's time that we get ready. We get ready for what's coming. Because God says that in the, and Jesus said in the midst of all of this chaos, in the midst of these pandemics and in the midst of these trials, in the midst of these wars, that something beautiful is going to happen. He says that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations. And then the end will come. So he's prophesying to the fact that in the midst of this chaos, there's going to be this radical remnant of strong people that arise. And I don't know about you, but I want to be part of that. I don't want to be one who is tossed by the waves or blown by the wind or caught off guard by a pandemic. I'm not going to be caught off guard next time. I was this time. But I won't be next time. So he tells us that in the midst of all of this is this remnant of people that arise, these strong people that arise. And they're not just survivors because I think the mentality that we must have in these last days is not just that of survival. It's a radical remnant of people that are thriving, thriving, full of joy, full of purpose, full of hope, full of happiness. And we don't just have Christianese things that we say. We actually have substance. There is a depth to the things that we do. All right, so the question is, how do we get there? How do we get that? Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5 
says that if you struggle, if you've raced on foot and have been worn out by men. I think we have that verse. Why don't you put that up? I'm struggling to remember it myself. Jeremiah 12, 5. If you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? In other words, if you struggle with the early birth pains, how are you going to manage? How are you going to make it in the days ahead? So the title of today's message is Running with the Horses. I want to be people who are able not only to run with the horses, but like Elijah, can tuck up our cloak and run ahead of the horses. Because that's what people of God are to look for. So what does that look like? Well, after explaining in Luke chapter 21 what these things are going to look like, Jesus gives us some insight as to what we are to do. So I've been asking questions like this to the Lord in my quiet time. God, if you were here in leading this church, if you were here and you were leading and you were pastoring, what would you be pressing people to do? What would you be encouraging people to do? And we see a very pastoral statement made by Jesus in Luke chapter 21, verse 34. He says the following. He says, take heed. Everybody say heed. heed. Yeah, I'm reading from the New King James. Anybody like a King James Bible? Anybody like that? All right. I don't always read from it, but I like this, I like this phrase where he says, take heed to yourselves. So remember, he's just explained the end days. He's explained what it's going to look like. He's explained all of the chaos and the pandemonium. He says, when you see these things, here's your first thought. Here's what you should do. You should take heed to yourselves. You should teach your children how to take heed to themselves. Listen, this is not just about us. We're raising a generation of believers who don't know how to strengthen themselves in God. They know how to come to church. They're very familiar with programmatic things that we do. And they think relationship with God is all about coming into a building where someone tells them the things that they should be learning themselves as they read the scriptures, as they pray. And, and so we're, we're raising up this culture of of interdependent, codependent believers in Jesus Christ, meaning they can't have a relationship with Jesus if the church wasn't present. And it's not just in the kids' wings, it's also in spaces like this. I have played a part in raising up a generation of codependent believers. Where if you take church out of the picture, if church were to disappear, they have little to no God in their life at all. How much God would you have in your life if this space was no longer available to you? How much information would you know about God if Pastor Frankie didn't give it to you? So he says, in these last days, you can't be a person that's codependent upon your relationship with God. Your relationship with God has to be something between you and God. You need to take heed to yourself. So this is not an invitation to be self-centered. This is an invitation to be God-centered. This, this is an invitation to put God above all things. So you need to take heed to yourselves. Because if you don't take heed to yourselves and make sure that you're good with God, you're no good to anyone else. 
And in these days, what we've seen is a lot of Christians wanting to help, wanting to help people, but they have nothing to offer other than Hallmark card phrases, balloons, pound cakes, and gift cards. And the church was never meant to be distributors of pound cakes and gift cards and balloons. We were meant to be distributors of the substance that God wants to place within us. You don't see Jesus walking up to people and saying, man, that stinks that you're in that condition. Here's a balloon. He brought substance to the situation. And we're to be people who bring substance to the Woodlands, Texas, to bring substance to the places that we go, to bring substance to work. Not just, I hope you hang in there. No, that, that, that is a horrible condition, and I happen to have a solution. And he lives in me. And he wants out of me. So take heed to yourselves. It's an invitation not to be self-centered. It's an invitation not to, not to, to become a hoarder. You take heed to yourselves. Take care of yourselves and your family. In these days, that means go buy as much toilet paper and powdered milk and bullets and guns as possible. Get your basement ready for the end times. You don't need to get your basement ready. You need to get your spirit ready. You need to get your soul ready. You need to get your mind ready. Hey, when the end comes, I don't want to be trapped in my basement with my family. That's not heaven, that's hell. (laughs) I don't want to be having powdered milk and all the toilet paper so nobody else can be clean. You know, listen, what in the world, what has happened to us? If I told you that the end is coming in three to four weeks, what's the first thing that you would do? Would you go cash out? Would you, would you go hoard up? Would you go store up? Listen, that will tell you the condition of your heart. So this is not an invitation to self-centered living. This is not an invitation to hoarding. This is not an invitation to survival mentalities. This is a call to strengthening the interior of yourself so that you have something to offer in the midst of chaos. Because in the midst of chaos, we have the greatest opportunity to reach those who don't know God. We actually are exiting out of a season of prosperity where people didn't need God. It's within prosperity that the church struggles the most to reach the lost. We're entering into the most opportune season that most of us have ever seen in order to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the question, are you strong enough? Do you have what is necessary in order to be a great kingdom agent in this season? Are you strong enough to look beyond all of the things that Fox and CNN and NSBNC are are trying to worry the world with? Are you shifted with every new newscast information? Or are you strong? Are you stable? It's time that we become strong people of God, that we strengthen our interior. So he says, take heed to yourselves. Look at your neighbor and say, you better take heed. Yeah, take heed. Take heed. All right, why? Lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of life. And that day will come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. 
So he says, this is what he's saying. Let me put it into English. If you don't take heed to yourself, you will fall victim, you will fall victim to coping mechanisms. And every single one of us have different coping mechanisms. When we get the announcements that we don't want or when life is press, the pressures of life come, if you don't take heed to yourself and strengthen your inner man, then you will cope like the rest of the world. How does the rest of the world cope? Carousing. What is that? Indulging in fleshly desires. Drunkenness. It's not just alcohol. It's anything that you do to make yourself numb. It can be alcohol. It can be food. It can be antidepressants. Anything that you do to make your soul numb to the fact that there's actually issues. And you don't know how to deal with them. And because you don't know how to deal with them, you have to cope. So if you're not strong, if you don't take heed to yourself, you're going to cope like the rest of the world. You're going to just live frivolously. You're, going to, you're just going to pursue all of the desires of the flesh, whatever makes me happy. You're going, to, you're going to become a person that makes yourself numb. Or you're going to pursue life. You're going to pursue career. You're going to get intoxicated with success. You're going to get intoxicated with money. You're going to get intoxicated with hobbies and kids' hobbies. You're going to live vicariously through your children. You're going to be gone every night of the week just to distract yourself from the fact that there is a world that's dying and going to hell. So we're going to do t-ball every single night. We're going to do gymnastics every single night. We're going, to, we're going to live like the world lives. We're going to be so involved with the world that we get to the end of life and we figure out we've been caught in a snare. And we didn't even know it. You know, the purpose of a snare is to catch people without them knowing it. No one says, oh, there's a snare. There's snares everywhere trying to get you. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want you to figure this thing out. The enemy wants you to be weak like the rest of the world. The enemy wants you to be offended like the rest of the world. The enemy wants you to be scared like the rest of the world. The enemy understands who's in you. The enemy knows that you have the solution within you. And the only way that he can prolong what he's doing and capture people for himself is to silence you, to preoccupy you, and to get you scared. you got to take heed to yourself. If you don't, you're going to get weighed down just like everybody else. So he's got my attention at this point. Does Jesus have your attention at this point? So the question that we would ask him is, what would you have us do? Verse 36, he tells us, watch, therefore, and pray always. Did you hear that? Say, pray always. Say, pray always. Pray always so that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass. And to stand before the Son of Man as one who is approved. Do you want to stand before God one day and hear the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
You didn't get weighed down like everyone else. You didn't get distracted like everyone else. You didn't hoard like everyone else. You didn't live for self like everyone else. You didn't make life all about success and hobbies and trinkets and toys. You lived a different life. And it's not because you went to a good church. It's not because you had a great pastor. It's not because your mama and your daddy. It's because you were a person that committed yourself to prayer. You were a person that committed yourself to God. You were a person that had substance because of your relationship with him, not your membership at a church. You were different. Well done, good and faithful servant. I want to be ready. You want to be ready. We all need to be ready, but we must embrace. There has to be a mindset shift within American Christianity. That American Christianity is not about what we do on Sunday morning. Sunday morning is just an expression of our relationship with God. It is a celebration. How appropriately named is this church? Sunday morning is a celebration of the relationship that I already have. It's just a celebration. It's a time where I get together with fellow believers and we celebrate the fact that we've all been communing with God this week. We've all been talking to God this week. This is just a bonus. This is actually not even necessary. Woo, Pastor Frankie, don't watch that part. This is actually, you know, we were never told to plant churches Scripture never tells us to plant churches. It tells us to make disciples. This churches came to pass because there were disciples that needed to be equipped. The American mentality is consumer mentality. I come to this place and they make me a disciple. No, it is God who makes you a disciple. It is my relationship with God, my overflow from my relationship with him that makes this church necessary. Now, the church can help you. The church can mature you. The church has so much to offer. This is a good thing. But it's not church first. It's God first. It's God first. It's God first. So he says, you need to be a people who know how to pray. The problem with prayer in an American consumer mentality is that it takes time. It takes energy. It takes consistency, and it takes patience. And we hate all those things. <laughs> we want it quick. We want it yesterday. And we want it in 35 seconds. If it takes longer than 35 seconds, then I'm not willing to give to it. That's got to change. If you want to be this person that God describes. So let's look really quickly at how we can do that. How can we be a people who shift our mindset, listen, from the public place to be Christians who are devoted to the secret place? Because it's in the secret place that you get the things you really desire. Some of you are here for the first time. You're hungry. You know that your life is lacking something. And I'm telling you, this church can help you, but it's not in the public place that you're going to get what you desire. It's in the secret place that you're going to find what you desire. Because what you truly desire is not a good church. What you truly desire is not a great pastor. What you truly desire is not good programming. What you truly desire is a relationship with the God of the universe. 
And that's found in the secret place. It's found in the secret place. The secret place must be restored within American Christianity. If not, we don't have a chance. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Jesus gives us more insight on the secret place. And this is what he says. He says, when. Everybody say, when. when. Not if you pray. When you pray. We think that we're Billy Graham if we play, pray three times a week. <laughs> Woo! Pray three times this week. Well, praise God, that's a great start. Prayer is to Christianity as what air is to our being. Without it, you are moving in a backwards direction. When you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Three things to do. Number one, go to your room. Go to your room. Meaning, I have to make this a priority. This has to be a priority in life. If I do not make this a priority, it will never happen. If you're waiting for extra time, it'll never come. Raise your hand if you just have an abundance of time. Anybody? All of our calendars are full. And there are things competing for your time, things demanding for your time that often get God's time. We have to make it a priority. There needs to be consistent time and space every single day. Now, you need to pray throughout the day, but there also needs to be a consistent time and space. For me, if it doesn't happen first, it won't happen at all. I found that between the hours of 4 and 6 a.m. is my sweet spot. Some of you are like, what? Do you know how dark it is at 4 a.m.? I do. But you know how dark it will be in your life if you do not make space for this? The darkness that will overtake you in the middle of the day is much more scarier than the darkness at 4 a.m. with the Lord. For me, it's early. For my wife, it's not early. She doesn't function in those hours at all. But she has a sweet spot. you got to find your sweet spot. So find a space. Make it sacred. I'm telling you, nothing pulls me out of that space. Travel doesn't pull me out of that space. My secret place goes with me. It was with me in my hotel this morning in the Woodlands, Texas. So just because I'm traveling doesn't mean that I don't have a secret place. Just because I'm on vacation doesn't mean I don't have a secret place. It goes with me wherever I go. That's how much I truly need this. It's a priority. And nothing can pull me out of it. Nothing can pull me away from it. It's got to be a priority. And it's in this space that I get the information that I need. I'm not dependent upon CNN. I'm not dependent upon Fox. I'm not dependent on Facebook. God help us. (laughs) False prophecy central. Some of us are so addicted to information and you have that within you for a reason. But listen, it's just the issue is our source. The source of our information is horrible. God wants to be the source of information for you. We need to learn to come to him, not just when we're in a crisis. We have no problem praying when it's 911. 
But will you make this a priority even when there's not a crisis in your life? Are you willing to be a person that takes heed to yourself by getting into the secret place every single day? He says, once you make it a priority, you need to shut the door. And this is all about disengaging from the world and engaging with God. I found that every single morning, even right after I wake up, it takes me 20 to 25 minutes to disengage my mind from the world. 20 to 25 minutes. That's just disengage mode. That's just posturing myself before the Lord in a humble setting. Sometimes it's on my face, sometimes it's bowed, but I just posture myself to quiet my mind and try to hear his voice. You know that the number one, the most important thing about praying in the secret place is not the things that you say, it's the things that you hear. Can you hear? Do you know that God is always talking? He's always talking. Listen, he's always trying to communicate with you, but most of us just don't know how to shut up. And we think that prayer is all about us coming before God and saying, this is what I need and this is what I need. This. How did you even know what you truly need? Most of us don't even know what we need. We think we know what we need. If you were in the presence of God Almighty, would you just run your mouth? For an hour and a half? And God's like, uh-huh. Oh, wow. Oh, that's interesting. I did not know that. Thank you for enlightening me. Where would I be without you in this secret place? If you were in front of the the one who created everything, would you just run your mouth? Or would you create some space to hear his voice? So it takes me about 20, 25 minutes just just to get there. And then when I get there, I begin to engage. I begin to engage. With God. I disengage from the world and now I engage with God. And, and you, for me, it's personally, and some of you may not be, you know, be there yet, but I begin to pray in the spirit. I begin to pray in tongues. It's the first thing that I do because I don't know what to say. And the scriptures say in Romans chapter 8, if you don't know what to say, let your spirit pray. And one of the ways that your spirit prays is by praying in tongues, praying in the spirit. Now, again, that may be foreign to you. It may be voodoo to some of you. That's fine. It was for me for a very long time, even as a pastor. And then there was a great shift. I actually studied the topic and I found that it's one of the best things I can possibly do. So I began to, I I just, for me, I just began to engage and I'll pray in the spirit and I'll pray in the spirit. I'll pray in tongues and then all of a sudden there'll be an impression or I'll, or God will engage my mind. And then I'll pray to that in English. I'll I'll see, I'll see, um, I'll be praying in the spirit and I'll see a picture of, of India, like the, 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 the nation on fire. And I'll say, Ooh, that's a good fire. And I'll begin to pray in it. God, I pray for our, our churches in India. I pray for pastor, pastor G and his network and coalition leaders. I God, I pray for the fire fall in India. And now God has engaged my spirit and I'm co-laboring with him in prayer. And not only is there a strengthening that's happening in India through my prayers, but there's a strengthening that's happening in me because the word of God says that you will be refreshed those who refresh others. The strengthening comes as I pour out myself in prayer. It's often that I get strengthened without asking for one thing. Because God says, oh, there's one I can trust. Oh, there's one who will pray with me. Oh, there's one who's not self-centered. Oh, there's one who's not trying to leverage me to get more money. Trying to leverage me to get a better business. Trying to leverage me. He's not trying to leverage me in my word. He loves me. He wants to pray with me. He loves others. He understands his call. And there's a strengthening that's taking place. 
Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and his world, and all these things will be added unto you. It's often you get the things that you need because you're a person that prays for others. There's some days I don't even pray for my family because I get so caught up in what God's saying and God's doing and God's moving. And when I'm in this mode and I'm going after the Lord, you can't pull me out of it. My phone will ding. Bing. And I don't even care. I'm not looking at my watch going, has it been an hour yet? Sometimes I'll pray, this is crazy. Sometimes I'll pray for three and a half hours. And it feels like 20 minutes. This is the place where not just pastors go. This is the place that God's inviting every single one of you. Every single one of you. So after I'm engaged and after I'm praying, I have to go back out. I have to leave the secret place. And there's many days I just want to stay in there. Like, God, this was warm and fuzzy. This was great. But God says, no. The reason that you're being strengthened is not just for you, Matt. The reason that you're being strengthened is because there's a world that needs what you have. And what you have is not yours. It's actually the person in the presence of Jesus Christ. So the third thing is be rewarded and open. You are rewarded and open when you bring the substance that you have found in the secret place into public. And God wants us to be people who bring substance into public. Who bring solutions into public. Who bring breakthrough into public. You are, a, you, are a, you are an agent of breakthrough because the God of breakthrough is in you. Environments should shift when you step into the room. Not because you're awesome, it's because God is awesome and you're bringing what you have found in secret into public. How many of us are bringing into public what we have found in secret? We wonder why environments don't shift. We wonder why things don't change. We wonder why healing only happens in environments like this. It's because the majority of the body of Christ does not have a secret ministry unto the Lord. They only have this. I can't bring into public Pastor Frankie's revelation. That's his. And he brings it into public every single week. These prayer partners bring it into public every single week. It's not because they're special. It's because they have been devoting themselves to God in secret places. And God is rewarding them in public. We want what other Christians have. The question is, are we willing to do what they do? I know about Pastor Frankie's prayer life. We talk about it often. We talk about our prayer lives. We talk about our our devotional lives. It's not uncommon for him to spend two, three, four hours with God in the middle of the night. And it's not because he's desperate. It's because he's in love. He's in love. You'll do a lot of things in the middle of, well, I guess, well, okay. I'm going to invite our keyboard and our worship team to come forward and invite you to stand up. I would love to keep talking about this is a topic that I love. You can find more resources on prayer. I've just given you a brief overview of what this looks like, but I am telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that if we do not take seriously the call to meet with God in the secret place, 
not only will we not be able to run with the horses, but we will continue to struggle to walk with men. God's calling us to a higher place. He's calling us to be a people who partner with him and who see great things happen in our life. And I'm, I'm, I'm extremely, listen guys, I'm extremely concerned about our kids. I'm concerned about our kids. I don't think that our kids have seen true Christianity. They've been indoctrinated with church. But have your kids seen you live out real Christianity? Do they even know what the secret place is? And I'm not talking about now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I die before I... What in the world? (laughs) What kind of psychotic prayer is that? Most of the things that our kids pray are nursery rhymes written by pagans, not scriptures written by God. And I'm concerned about our kids. So this strengthening, this taking heed of self is not just for you. It's for the generations that will come after you. Grab your kid and bring them into the secret place. Bring them in there with you. Let them watch what you do. I do it. I'll put it. Just watch me. Just watch me. And it's not because I have, I'm arrogant about it. I want them to see what it looks like to engage with God. I'm not trying to get them to engage with church. I'm the pastor of the church. I'm teaching them to engage with God because there's going to be a day where daddy's not their pastor and their church isn't their church. But God will always be their God. And their secret place can go with them to college. We always lose them in college. Have you guys thought? I'm mean, I could preach about it. Why do we lose them in college? Serious. It's worse. This pandemic is worse than the pandemic we just came out of. And it's time that that change. It's time that that change. Prayer partners, come forward. I want you to just open your hands. Just receive from the Lord this morning. I think that there's a call to repentance this morning, a deep call to repentance. Some of you may have a wonderful prayer life. You may have a wonderful self-devotion life. You may meet with the Lord every single day. But if you're like me, you've got room for improvement. I said you got room for improvement. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I just call upon heaven in this moment and I pray God that you break the spirit of apathy. That you break the cloud that has often fallen upon Christians that convinces us that this is enough that church is enough, that one hour a week is enough. God, will you break that lie right now in the mighty name of Jesus? And will you call us deep into your presence? God, we want to be people that run with the horses. We don't want to grow faint when wind blows. We don't want to get confused with every new source of information that comes through social media and the news and all of these. God, we want to be people who are strong. So we pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you break apathy, that you, that you hear our heart of repentance, God. We have sinned. We've sinned. We've made this about things that it's, it should have never been about. And call us into the deep place. Call us into the secret place. And we pray that you release substance right now through these men and women of God, that you release substance in this house to break chains of addiction. I feel right now in the name of Jesus that there is specifically a pornographic addiction that God wants to break upon people today. If that is you, if that is you, do not hesitate to come and receive prayer and to confess that 
with an individual. This is a safe place. God wants you to leave here today free. And not just you being free, but your family being free. And your sons and your daughters being free. There's a pornographic addiction that's going to be broken today in the mighty name of Jesus. There's an autoimmune disease that God wants to heal today in the mighty name of Jesus. If you've been diagnosed recently with autoimmune or you've struggled with an autoimmune disease, I just heard the word autoimmune. I believe God wants to heal it in the mighty name of Jesus. If you're here today and you have neck pain, particularly at the base of your skull, at the base right here, if you have neck pain that radiates down, God, I think God wants to heal that today. I just had a sharp pain in my neck. I think he wants to do that today. Begin to come now. Begin to come now. If you're here today and you would say, I don't know God as my Lord and Savior. I believe that there's an anointing in the house today for salvation. Listen, do not hesitate. Come now and come quickly and tell one of these individuals, I need God. I need God in my life. I need strength from Him. I'm tired of doing life without Him. Come and receive salvation. Come and receive healing. Come and receive deliverance. There's deliverance. Some of you are addicted to antidepressants. Now, i got to be careful with this. I'm not a doctor, but I'm telling you that there are way too many people taking medications that don't need to be taking medications. They just need to be delivered of their fear and anxiety in the mighty name of Jesus. So I'm not telling you to stop, but I am telling you to come and receive breakthrough because I think God wants to give you breakthrough. We've seen over 35 people in our church cured of depression and anxiety coming off of their medications fully free in the mighty name of Jesus. And I think that that same thing is going to happen today. So if you want freedom from depression and anxiety, come, come now in the mighty name of Jesus. Come. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You just want fresh fire today? Lift your hands. Come on. You want fresh fire today from God? Lift your hands. I'm just going to pray a blessing over you as we close out. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch these hungry ones. Touch these hungry ones, God. Rise up within them now. Let them know that you're pleased, God. Let them know that you're pleased. Let them know that you're so happy that they're not happy with the place that they are. They want to go deeper, God. They want to be strengthened, God. Thank you for the commitments that have been made to come after you in the secret place. More hours are going to be logged in prayer, God. More hours are going to be logged in intercession, God. It's going to be the most important thing that we do. It's our prayer gatherings. Not our Sunday morning celebrations, but our prayer gatherings. The house is going to fill with people devoted to prayer. So fill them up, God. Fill them up with your presence. We thank you for encouraging us today, God. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Send us out of here with substance. Send us out of here with love. Send us out of here to be your hands and feet. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God praise today. Come on, give him praise. Benediction. Leave when you get ready.